people who would believe by the Holy Spirit for God to move into this world. This has been the plan of Jesus. And so the ascension is essential. You like that? The ascension is essential for the plans and purposes of God to be worked out. Jesus had to ascend bodily into heaven so that we would be bestowed with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Mail, radio, telephone, email, humans have devised countless ways to contact one another, but none is as effective as God's point of contact with us. In Pastor Daniel's message today, we'll hear how Jesus leaving his disciples may have left them feeling alone, but his giving of the Holy Spirit meant that he could reach anyone, anywhere. His leaving the earth was actually a gift. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 9, with his continuing study entitled, Power Promised. It's not for you to know times or seasons when the Father has put into his own authority. He's like, look, you don't know, you don't need to know. And you, if you read your Bible, you realize that there is going to be a time when Israel as a nation is going to exist in the way that Jesus has ordained it to and God, and that is when Jesus returns. That's when that happens. Up until then, it's not going to be the fulfillment. So the politics of men say, okay, we're getting power. Can we get rid of the Romans now? And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's not about that. It's not about that. Instead, look at what he says in verse 8. He says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So now we have the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit is now. He says, wait for the promise. Right? And they get into the politics. He's like, no, 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 listen. Well, now we're talking about the power of the Spirit. Right? Now, I didn't want to overwhelm you with peace, but this verse not only speaks about the power of the Spirit, but also speaks about the program of the Spirit. So I'll give that to you as a side point, but I didn't want to overwhelm you with too many peas, because you know if you eat too many peas, you might choke on them. But just know it's in there. It's in there. See, the restoration of the kingdom of God involves a worldwide mission. A worldwide mission. So he says, listen, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We're just going to pray for the Holy Spirit to baptize us. That we have the power to be his witnesses. See, that's the thing. It's power for ministry. It's not power so that we have personal power and we feel empowered. That's new age stuff where it's like, I, you need to find your power and you have your power animal. I don't even know what that is. It makes me freaky. It does. It's a power. Someone, I had someone in the Bay Area like, what's your power animal? I'm like, uh, a rhinoceros? I don't know. You know, like, I was just thinking, a giraffe? Like, hey, you know. See, the power that God wants to give us is not so that we feel empowered. It's so that we may be his witnesses. So again, see, 
in a culture that is self-focused, then it's like, oh, it's for me. And then, and, but in God's kingdom, it's like, I'm going to bless you so that you can be a blessing to other people. And that's where American, 21st century American culture and the kingdom of Jesus Christ, they butt heads right there. Because our culture says it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. Right? And you read the statistics. They talk about the boomer generation being the most self-centered generation. And now they'll talk about the millennials who were raised by boomers. They're saying, oh, the millennials, they're the worst. Right? Listen, none of us in our culture are doing really great when it comes to being not selfish. Right? Can we all admit that? Look, have it your way. Everything about our culture is you get it the way you want it. Have it your way. Right? That's a blessing of our culture, but everything about the gospel of Jesus Christ is, I'm going to bless you so you can go bless other people. I'm going to empower you so that you may be my witnesses. And that, you know what that word witnesses is in the, in the Greek? It's the word martyr. That's where the word martyr, and when you think of the word martyr, you think of somebody who's given up their life for their belief in Jesus, right? But that word literally means a witness, a witness on that, somebody who testifies, this is what truth is. So the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit is there to let us be his witnesses. Now, I want you to notice this. Notice what it says. You'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I want you to notice this. It begins locally, and then it goes regionally, and then it goes globally. That's the way it works. And what's interesting is this verse right here, this is actually the outline of the entire book of Acts right here. Acts chapters 1 to 7 is all about the witness of the church in Jerusalem, right? Then Acts chapter 8 to 12 is all about the witness of the church in Judea and Samaria. So it'd be kind of like Judea would be like Clark County, and Jerusalem would be Vancouver. That kind of idea. So Judea was the county, so to speak, and then Samaria would be the Portland metro area. That's Acts 8 to 12. And then the witness of the church to the ends of the earth is Acts chapter 13 to 28 and on and on and on. Right? Now, when we did the Great Commission, and we talked about that we should make disciples of all nations, I had someone say to me, so Pastor Daniel, so you really focused on local missions. What about the global thrust? And I was like, oh, man, this is, that's a great question. Because I did focus last week on local. Why? Because we want our light to shine the brightest locally so that we can see who is God's bright, shining missionaries that we have. And we want the people who are serving the strongest locally to be able to go regionally, nationally, and globally. See, as a church crossroads, we have a long history of missionary activity. Long history. Love that. And a long history of local activity. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you think all these different things that God has done through crossroads. But when I got here, I looked at like, what is our specific focus of ministry locally? We have Second Saturday and some different, but we didn't have one thing. And so we're in the process right now, just like Pastor Bill had done, of saying, this is what we're going to do locally. This is going to be our big push locally. This is going to be our big push regionally. This is going to be our big push internationally. But I believe it begins at home. Why? Because like the book of Acts, we don't want to send our worst globally. We want to send our best. And we believe that we will know who our cross-cultural missionaries are going to be by who are serving the strongest at home. People come and say, Pastor, I feel called to be a missionary. I'm like, where do you feel called? Oh, I feel called to go to China. I'm like, so what are you doing with Chinese people now? And I'm like, don't say eating Chinese food because I'm doing that too. 
Because if you're called globally, you're going to do it locally first because it's a passion of your heart. What, I think what happens is, is that if we don't have great avenues for people to serve locally and we see them serving, we see how God uses them, then we can lay hands back. This person's anointed to go cross-culturally. And Jesus said, look, I want you to be filled with the Spirit so that you can be a bright shining light locally, then regionally, and then globally. So it has to begin at home. And what's beautiful is it's not that we don't do cross-culture. We have a ton of them, and we run a ton of trips. We support a lot of things. But we're in the process of trying to build, what are we going to do for the next 15 years? That's what we're praying. What are we going to do for the next 15 years? Because it's funny, we had some folks come back. We've been going to Mexico for a long time. Some of the guys who came back and gals are like, look, man, we've done a great work in Mexico, but we're not pioneering new stuff. Now we're supporting what we've established over the years which is what you're supposed to do. You pioneer a work, you build it up, you establish it, and then you come back and you undergird it. We're trying to say, God, what's the next thing we're going to pioneer as a church? What's the next 15 years? I'm here to tell you this. One thing I do know, it has to involve reaching Muslims with the gospel. Yeah, I just said that. Here's why. Large church, large responsibility. Talking 2 billion people, right? And you're saying, how are we going to do that? I don't know. We're praying about it. My guess is it's going to involve Turkey and the Black Sea. Why? Because we have lots of people here at Crossroads who are from the region of the Black Sea. Turkey is the most westernized Muslim country in the world. And we have open doors there. See, I want to tell you a story. Now, I know Pastor Jack is kind of a scary guy because he's got no hair. That's scary. <laughs> and if you notice, Pastor Jack, he wears a uniform every day. Khakis and black shirt. You guys have seen it, right? I had someone say to me, like, is Pastor Jack like a robot? Because he showed, it looks like, listen, I, I shouldn't make fun of anybody in the way they present themselves, right? So who am I to talk? You know what I mean? But, but Pastor Jack, he's funny though, because sometimes you're like, he's almost like a robot where he just always wears the same thing and you just plug him in the wall and he gets energized. Come, hi, yeah, I'm Pastor Jack. And always wearing the same, you know. He does have a number of pair of khakis, a number of pair of black shirts. I've confirmed it with Sammy, his wife, you know. But it's like, Pastor Jack, he, he's his own man, you know. So let me tell you a story about Pastor Jack. So Pastor Jack, I found out about Pastor Jack before he ever became Pastor Jack at Crossroads because he had, him and a, a friend of his put out a book called Missional Moves. Guys, you should go read it. It's a great book. I had heard about it, and I read a review of it, and I bought the book, and I read the book. As I read the book, I'm like, this dude gets it. These guys get it. They were putting into concept things that I had been praying about and thinking about and wondering about, right? And then all of a sudden, when we were looking for an executive pastor ministries, Jack Magruder threw his hat in the rink, and I was like, oh, man. See... In that book, which I love, Pastor Jack and Rob Wagner, they talked about this concept of doing mission not as a flashlight, but as a laser, which I absolutely love. What he's saying is that most churches, they shine a little light in a lot of places. And listen, flashlights are good and we need them, right? Don't, we do not ever despise a flashlight. I'm happy my phone has one on it now. It's so cool, right? Grateful for the flashlight. But you know what? Sometimes you just need a laser, right? And if you got, if, for those of you who are doctors, I mean, I know there's a few of you out there, and I don't want to talk about anything with doctoring, because I'm not a doctor. I always get it wrong. But a laser can do something a flashlight can't do. If you need to get um, LASIK surgery, you probably want a laser instead of a flashlight, right? right? If you have to have your appendix out, you want them to use, uh, you probably, oh, you, wait, sorry, I shouldn't say that, because you probably don't use a laser for that. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to get at. I got to be careful, man. You guys are Bereans. You're making, like, Pastor Daniel, we do not take out an appendix with a, a laser. That's just not smart, right? 
But listen, as a church, we have to shine a flashlight in some place, but we want to do it. We want to do laser work, which is a lot of light diffused very specifically. We want to break open some stuff, but it has to begin at home. So we're trying to say, this is what we're doing at home because we're already doing a lot regionally and globally, but we're saying, look, we're going to design what we're doing locally. And then as we get that thing rolling, then we're going to hit our, our national and our regional focus, and then we're going to hit our global focus. Because really, the light needs to shine the brightest at home before it can shine bright, really brightly everywhere. And that's what we're kind of doing. And as a church, I mean, I've only been the lead pastor here for a year, so we have all the stuff that we've been doing, and we're going to continue to do it. But we're saying, what's the next 15 years going to look like? How do we design local, national, and global Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of How do we design it in such a way that in 15 years we can say what the guys came back and gals came back from Mexico and said, yeah, man, we're not pioneering anymore. We're just supporting. It's great what God is doing there. We need to start pioneering afresh so that in 15 years we'll say, man, the number of people we've reached in Turkey who are now reaching the Muslim countries is profound. But the power of the Spirit, it begins at home. And if you notice in the book of Acts, the only thing that actually brought the children of Israel, they were very content to be in Jerusalem. But then what happened? Persecution happened. And persecution pushed them out of Jerusalem. They became very content being used mightily locally. And per- so listen, I say that not because we're going to let persecution happen or because we're going to get comfortable resting on our laurels, but we want to be able to send cross-culturally our best local missionaries. Because, I mean, think about Pastor Rob Lloyd. How many of you guys have known Rob Lloyd for years? Yeah, lots of you, right? And Rob Lloyd has been on mission locally and globally here for a long time, but not in a staff capacity. So we're looking for who's our, the guy who's going to help design mission for the next 20 years. Like, well, Rob Lloyd's a great local missionary, you know, because he's proven what he does and who he is. And we want to be able to send like the church in Antioch in Acts 13, when they were praying and fasting, what happened? They said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work of ministry. Those were two of the pastors. And those two, they didn't just say, okay, we needed to go do some missions. Who can we send? Who's available? Who do we want to get rid of? Man, so-and-so, man, they're tough, man. Let's get, let's get them. You're going, you know? We want to say, look, we want to send our best to reach the ends of the earth. But it has to begin locally. And it happens. So the Holy Spirit's power is that we might testify of Jesus. We want every single person in Clark County to hear the gospel. And we want every single person in the Portland metro area to hear the gospel. And we want every single person in the Western Hemisphere to hear the gospel. And we want every single person of every single tribe, nation, and tongue on this beautiful globe that's spinning around the sun. I don't know how that all works, but it works. We want every single person to hear the gospel. And we believe that God wants to use crossroads to do it. But it will never happen unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave his spirit to empower us to be his witnesses. In Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria to the ends of the earth. So notice this. So we have the promise of the Spirit. We have the politics of men. We have the power of the Spirit. And now look at what happens next. Verse 9. Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, this is the ascension. I also call this the plan of Jesus. It's the plan of Jesus. You might be like, oh, wait, so he's ascending. How is this the plan of Jesus? I'm going to give you something in a second. Now, imagine this. Jesus is there. You're there with the 11 disciples and maybe some friends who you guys have been walking with for a long time, right? 
And all of a sudden, you're sitting there talking to Jesus. Jesus is like, listen, don't worry about when we're going to restore the kingdom of Israel. You're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses. And locally, nationally, regionally, globally, all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, it says, when he had spoken these things, as they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Anybody else think that would be kind of a weird experience? Yeah, amen, right? Imagine if there was YouTube when that was going on. You know, like, you know, Bartholomew's iPhone, like, whoa, gee, what's he doing? What? Whoa, you know, that would go viral on the internet. Like literally a guy, I mean, how many of you guys watch those, those epic fail? Do you guys like those things? You guys are sinners watching people crash and burn. There's this whole thing, epic fails, and you find like all these people who try and do something that's on video and it all crashes and burns. It's like America's Funniest Home Video, but kind of mean. You know, and like you can imagine like watching this, like it reminds me of one of those guys who are hand gliding with the boat and they go on up and they lose control and the thing crashes in the water. And I was like, oh, you feel bad. Never mind. I watched one of these recently. I, was, I felt bad for this person. They must have dropped like three stories into a lake. And I mean, they got up again. I was happy their head popped up and I felt better about it. But I thought, man, that's kind of hurt. Imagine that you're sitting there with Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus just starts levitating, literally, off the ground and goes all the way up and a cloud comes and receives him and Jesus is gone. Gone. Now, why do I call this the plan of Jesus? Listen to John chapter 16, verses 7 to 11. Listen to this. John 16, 7 to 11. It says, this is Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And you hear what Jesus says? He's like, look, it's good that I'm leaving you guys. I mean, can you imagine sitting there with Jesus? He's God in the flesh, the son of God. I mean, he's healing people. And Jesus is like, listen, hey, guys, it's good that I'm leaving. You'd be like, excuse me? Right? You're going where? He's like, no, it's good that I go. Why? Because when I go, the helper will come who I'm going to send to you. So the ascension of Jesus was the plan of the Almighty God and His Son, Jesus, that Jesus would go so that they can send out the Holy Spirit, that instead of God being on the earth in one person, His Son, God now indwells all of His people who would believe by the Holy Spirit. Not only having one point of contact, but having millions and millions of points of contact for God to move into this world. This has been the plan of Jesus. And so the ascension is essential. You like that? The ascension is essential for the plans and purposes of God to be worked out. Jesus had to ascend bodily into heaven so that we would be bestowed with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. That's why this happens. This has always been his plan. This has always been his plan. Now, I realize it takes faith to believe in the ascension of Jesus. Any of you guys ever see somebody just taken up into heaven? Yeah, right? Yeah. I haven't either. I haven't either. But you notice in those verses in John 16, Jesus says, the spirit will convict the world of righteousness because 
I go to my father and you see me no more. Wow. Jesus says, look, my ascension is one of the ways that I convict the world of righteousness because I have been set apart and I go to my father. You don't see me anymore. See, Jesus was not resuscitated back to life and then to die again bodily. He was resurrected to newness of life and he went bodily into heaven. Didn't die again. Now, in the Bible, you guys know there's two other people who had been taken to heaven bodily, right? You guys know this, right? There was Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. He walked with the Lord and was not, for God took him. Strange verse. And then, of course, Elijah with the chariots of fire. I know when you hear the chariots of fire, you always think of dun, 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 dun. I think about that when people are running. I'm always like, that music just plays. That's the soundtrack, you know? Because the movie Chariots of Fire, I think it was like the late 70s or the early 80s, Eric Little and those runners. But Elijah was taken bodily into heaven. So there's a lot of biblical cases for people being taken bodily into heaven, but only Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. And I'm here to tell you this. If you believe in Jesus, though your body may die on earth, you will live. And if you are alive for when Jesus returns and translates his people in what we call the rapture, you're out of here too. I'm hoping it's this generation, because that just sounds really radically fun. It's like a reverse skydive. <laughs> With no parachute, you know? I, that, that would be awesome. But you know what? With that, I say that, because I want you to notice what happens. Verse 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And he also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go to heaven. Now, Jesus is ascending, right? And all the disciples are like, whoa, right? And these guys come and say, hey, two men in white apparel, they're angels. They're like, so what are you guys staring at? It's almost like, I think of it as a comical scene. Could you get, can you imagine these guys like just being like, oh, whoa. You know, and you've got to figure Peter was saying something because Peter's got foot and mouth disease, so he's always talking. It doesn't tell us. But I'm sure Peter wasn't quiet, you know, watching this thing. And these guys come out, hey, so uh, what are you doing standing up staring at heaven? You know why I say that? Because we talk about the rapture. I believe that Jesus is coming back, but I don't believe we should be staring at the sky all the time. I think that's one of the ways... Good biblical understanding of the end times can go bad when people are like, I just want to get out of here with the rapture. I'm just tired of being here. No, 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 no. God does not want us not to want to be here. We look forward to his return, but we say, Lord, while you're not back yet, there is work to be done. That's why I always people say, What's, are you going to give us a prophecy update? Yeah, if we're here, Jesus ain't back yet. We got to keep doing the work. Everything else is fine. I mean, look, the world it continues on, and his return is one day sooner than we first believed. But we shouldn't be staring up at heaven when we should be sharing the love of God in the world. Jesus is real. Jesus' ascension is a difficult event to imagine. And today, Pastor Daniel wondered what that must have been like for the disciples. Jesus' departure from the earth was so vital to his purpose. In his physical absence, he gave us the Holy Spirit. 
to fill and empower us to carry out His missions as believers who love Him. We know that God doesn't need our money, but He uses our finances to help further His kingdom. We want to invite you to partner with us and help expand God's kingdom through Jesus is Real Radio. Your monthly or one-time gift will allow us to continue to grow our radio ministry in other parts of the world, sharing the life-changing experience of knowing that Jesus is real. Simply log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and select Partner from the main menu. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here of Jesus Is Real Radio. I got some special news. I'm so stoked. My new book called Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives is available on pre-order right now. You might say, why'd you write the book, Daniel? Well, simply because this, life is messy, but Jesus is real. And we need to talk honestly about both sides of that coin. So get the book now. It's available on pre-order at honestlybook.com or wherever books are sold. I can't wait for you to read it. God bless you. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue his series in God's Word. We've taken a break from our regular series in order to bring you these special resurrection messages. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. We invite you to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Need you.